not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing well as we continue to move toward this Christmas season and Thanksgiving is behind us and we ate good and uh, Christmas is ahead of us where we will focus on the birth of Jesus and we will be thankful and grateful uh, for what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. And what's even more incredible is that God allows us to come into a relationship with Jesus, his, this gift, his son, that he sent to this earth that was born in that manger in Bethlehem almost 2,000 years ago. And uh, so we get to have a relationship with Jesus. And, um, and the way that we communicate with God is through Christ, but it's in what we call prayer. We talk to God. We know that he hears us. He has given us his Holy Spirit to live in our lives, to help us with prayer and to help us understand God. Because who are we as, as mere men and women that we should or could or even begin to think that we can understand the God of all creation. And so God has given us his word. He spells things out plainly for us. He has given us his Holy Spirit that helps us, that intercedes for us and helps us to communicate with God. And, uh, and he has given us the church that we can be a part of a, a body, a group, a family of believers who love the Lord, who have, a, who have the same relationship that we do with the Lord and who are trying to live on this earth to honor and to bring uh, glory to the Lord who created us. And so 
It's a great time of the year. Yeah, 2020 has been very crazy and with COVID and with all these things that we've been going through, we still, God is still on the throne. Jesus is still Lord and he wins in the end. And so everything is very, really kind of small in comparison to eternity and to what we have in Jesus. And so we're talking about living on a prayer because more than ever, this is important for us as people, human beings on the earth, to realize that the only way we're going to make it through with, with some kind of like healthy attitude, not get depressed, not fall into this funk, but to be able to really stay in a good place mentally and spiritually and emotionally, the only way you're going to do that is, is by this constant communication with God. And knowing him and, and keeping your eyes on, on the things that are above and the things that are greater than this earth and this world. And without that, it would be very easy and, and, and very quick to fall into a funk. And so I hope and pray that you are living on a prayer together with us and that, um, that this series, these studies, these topics that we've been talking about are impacting you and helping you to face every day. That this isn't just a, a sermon, but this is, this is food for your soul from the Word of God that will help you grow, help you stay focused, and help you communicate with God in a better and more healthy way. And I love today's topic. Today, uh, we've been talking about a lot of different things with uh, living on a prayer, but today, I'm going to get right to it. Prayer opens our eyes. It opens eyes. It opens my eyes. It opens your eyes. It opens our eyes because when we pray, God helps us in our understanding. And so we're in Ephesians. Well, somebody once said, somebody once said, faith is seeing light with your heart when all your eyes see is darkness. And, and that's so true, right? Faith, our faith in God and this prayer relationship that we have with God lifts us up and out of the darkness and helps us to see with our heart the light and the truth and the glory of God that is so much greater than anything in this world. And so we're in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Let me read that. And then we're going to dig into this a little bit. Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, two, main, two awesome things, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you, Paul says, in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand uh, in, in the heavenly realm. So Paul, in these verses, takes a dive into prayer. He, he 
relates prayer with his own personal life, his own personal relationship with God, and his own personal feeling for the people in Ephesus, the church there, the believers there. And so this little section of, about prayer hits on a lot of really important things for all of us. And he points out some really good truth about prayer. So let's dig a bit. In verses 15 and 16, what we see here, Paul is excited. He's excited about their faith and about their love. That's what excites Paul. It's that when he thinks about the Ephesians or when he's hearing about how they're living their lives as Christians, as the church, Paul's excited about how they're living. Look what he says. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, reports are coming back to Paul. Paul is probably in prison in Rome right now, and he's hearing about their faith, and he's going to write this letter to them. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in, your prayer, in my prayers. And so Paul, Paul, when he thinks about them, He's ecstatic for them because they are living their faith out loud, right? They're, they're living in such a way that they're impacting the community, the people around them, the church is growing, others are coming to faith because the church has such a, an outlook on life and the world and God. It's, it's so good that other people want to be a part of that. And isn't that what the church is supposed to be about? Isn't that what you and I are supposed to be doing? Like sharing the love of God in the way that it's supposed to be shared so that people who don't know the Lord want to know the Lord. Like they want this. They want more. They can't live without this because they see it in you. They see you living in such a way that they're like, I want what that guy's got or I want what that lady has, that gal. That's how we're supposed to be. That's how they're living. Paul's excited for them. They're impacting the community, but they're also, they're also loving each other as the body of Christ. Now, what is more appealing to hurting people, struggling people, lost people, than a group of people who love each other, who laugh together, who share life together, who would die for each other, would throw themselves in front of a freight train or a speeding bullet because of the love that they have for each other. That kind of relationship love of a group of people like that, who would not want to be a part of that? And so that is attractive to a lost world. That's the kind of lives we're supposed to be living. That's the kind of lives they are living. And Paul is super grateful that they are living this way. They are doing exactly what Jesus taught and what Jesus did. And notice what he says. I have not, ever since I heard about your faith in Lord Jesus and for the love for God's word, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. This is like Paul going, I, I just can't thank God enough. Like you guys are, you guys got this so well and you're doing this so good. I just can't say, say thank you to God enough for what's going on in your life. You know, that's awesome. You know, that, that's, an, that's an awesome place to be with people, to be able to, to see the church growing, to see people loving the Lord, to see people reaching the lost so much that, that you could just go, God, you're, you're amazing, God. 
You, you, you are working in these people's lives in such a way that this is incredible, that there's no way anybody could even do this. It's, it's gotta be you, God. And, and, I, and I hope that we're a part of a church, that we are working toward trying to help the church be those kind of people. That if you claim that you're part of a body of Christ somewhere, wherever you live, wherever you go to church, that you are such an important part for the kingdom of God in that church, that you want to see that church become like this church that we read about in Ephesians. So Paul's grateful. He doesn't stop giving thanks for them. Verse 17, it says this, Paul pleads with the Lord for the Spirit of God. Now, this is an interesting verse, and we're going to dig into this a little bit. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, why, why does Paul pray that they would have the Spirit? Or they would have more of the Spirit in some way? Have you ever wondered that? It just kind of makes you go, okay, so what is this about? Because, you know, this is the church in Ephesus. Paul established this church on a missionary journey, and we see, read about it in Acts, around uh, Acts 19, like 30 years ago. So these are Christians. These are Christian people. They've been around for a while following Jesus. They were immersed into Jesus at some point when they gave their life to Christ. They received the Holy Spirit already when they gave their lives to Christ. So why does Paul keep asking the Father to give them this spirit, the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation? And, and this is a good debate. There's a good debate out there about this topic, about the Holy Spirit and, and, and some things about them. Is there, is there more of the spirit to be gotten? Maybe. Did we get a partial deposit when we gave our life to Christ, but there's more to come? Is there two spirits, one that you receive in baptism and others will claim that you receive one when the Holy Spirit falls on you and, and you have power and evidence in maybe speaking in tongues or doing some miraculous thing, they claim. But what I really think the key to this thought or this verse is this, is, is at the very end when he says these words, so that you may know him better. I think that's the key. That their knowledge of God and the Spirit's work in their life would grow. So when he says, so that you may know him better, I think it's about, it's about knowing him better. Paul's prayer isn't as much about God's Spirit as it is about the believer and their heart and our understanding of who God is, what he's capable, his power, his work in our life, his role in our life and in the church. I think it's more about the believer. It's not that God needs to like turn the spirit faucet on more, but that we need to open it more, right? We need to, 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 to be better in tune with him, to be connected with him better, less distracted from the world, more attentive to him, less quenching of the spirit, and more trust in what God is doing in our lives. 
we uh, on Wednesdays we have what I call meet me at the wall and, and people are, are uh, invited to come and sit and for about a half hour and we just pray we just quietly pray people come up here they add uh, prayer needs and prayer requests and praises to God and we just add things to this wall and we pray over the wall and we just we're just here kind of praying together at the same time but we're just quietly listening to God. Well, I have some music playing during that time, real low, and uh, Carrie Joby uh, writes uh, this song, and she sings this song. It's called Holy Spirit, and in that verse she sings, or in that song she sings, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Did you get that? And I think she hits it right on the head when we're talking about this. She says, let us become more aware of your presence. It's not about the Spirit's ability to do what he needs to do. It's more about us and what Paul is saying here, that we would be more aware, that we would be more in tune. So we are the weakest link. Like the Spirit isn't the weak link. We are. Our awareness, our focus, our discipline to focus and listen to God and let his spirit speak to us. So Paul says, I keep asking the Father to give you the spirit of revelation and of wisdom. Why? So that you may know him more and more, that you may know him better. Better today than you did yesterday. More aware of him today than you were yesterday. And every day we're growing in our awareness of what he is up to. I love that. That's so good. That's so on target of what Paul would be praying for these people. That they would know him even more than they already do. Remember, he's already bragged about their faith and their love. And so they're getting it. But he thinks there's more, there's more to learn. There's more to be aware of, of what God is up to in your life. And I think you would agree with me that whatever you're doing in your life, no matter how committed you are to God, no matter what you, where you are on your journey with the Lord, there is more. There is so much more for you and for me that God wants for us and has for us. And that's what Paul is praying about. Verse 18, he says, I pray, this is our key verse, I pray that the eyes, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us to believe. So Paul prays that their eyes of their heart would be enlightened. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He says, I pray that the eyes, your heart has eyes. Maybe not physical eyeballs like these, but they, they have the ability to receive and to see and to be enlightened. He says, I pray that your heart's eyes will be enlightened. And what he's talking about is our understanding, right? Our spiritual discernment, spiritual wisdom, our spiritual perception that spiritually deep within our soul where the Holy Spirit is moving and working, and where the Holy Spirit connects to you as a person, that you will see better what the Holy Spirit in you, connected to God, is up to. 
this is deep, man. This is really good. This is, this is like, if we'll just go here, just think on these things. Just try to, try to begin to understand what God is doing inside of us, like in our heart, in our mind, in our life with us. If we will just be more in tune with what God is doing, that ability to sort out godly wisdom from above and worldliness from below and sort those two things out and separate them with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us, that we would be able to know this is from God, this is not. How, what a powerful life we will live when we are focused and we're thinking about those things way deeper than what color is the furniture, or what, what color am I going to paint my wall? That's all nice and things that have to get done, but that's not where living should take place. It should take place where God meets your soul. And Paul is praying that they would, their eyes or their heart would be enlightened so they would know these things. They would be aware of them, not physical eyes, but the doorway to your internalizing truth, the gateway to your awareness and comprehension of God, of life, of truth, of eternity, of things that really, really matter. That's where it's at. In prayer, our eyes must be open. Enlightened eyes is what Paul is praying for their heart. Enlightened eyes, consciously aware, consciously seeking the Lord to communicate with God, but also to listen, to be directed that God would guide us into all truth. That we would live according to his ways, not just on the outside but deep within our very thoughts and, and motives. It is completely possible. And most Christians, I think, do this. It is completely possible to pray, to speak, to talk in God's direction with blinded eyes or shut eyes or distracted eyes. I think a lot of people talk to God, but they're really not listening to God. They're just saying a bunch of words toward God because we were taught from a young age that we should pray. And so we just say words to God, but nothing on the inside is actually happening. It's just all from their, our head up. It's like we talk to God, we say these prayers, we use these words and they're good words and they're, they, they, they're sincere words, but they're not... They're not coming from the root of who we are. They're coming from the, the surface of who we are. This is why we sing this song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see Jesus. We're, we're crying out in worship. God, open not just my eyes to look around and go, wow, God, you're amazing. You've created amazing things. It's beautiful. But, but the eyes of our heart that would say, God, I hear you. I see you. I, I have this relationship with you. Not some crazy person thing going on, but a, a real living, breathing relationship with the God of all creation that is based on the word of God, that is rooted in scripture, that lines up with the word of God. That when we read the word and we truly are praying to God deep within our own heart, those two things merge 
And our life is impacted on a daily basis, every day. And, and so we sing, opening up, I want to see Jesus. Our eyes of our heart must move deep within us. We've got to move from the inside, from, from death to life, in our thinking, in our processing, in our, in our soul, from, from sin to obedience, beginning with the depth of our heart, the eyes of our heart and, and our motives, and from darkness into the light as we see what God is doing, right? We don't want to miss a thing that he is up to. We don't want our flesh to keep us from seeing what God is up to in us. Let us become more aware. Let us become more aware of your presence, of your presence, Lord. And then in verse 18, he says, I pray that, he continues, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he says, uh, enlightened, the eye, that's an interesting word, isn't it, enlightened. This is an interesting phrase. It's an unusual expression. The eye, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You just don't hear people talk like that. Okay, but what it means is this idea of enlightened, it's, it's gone in different directions in our world, if you look it up. But what it means is clear vision of mind and heart. To have a clear vision, enlightened with God, connected to God, like ears to hear God, eyes to see God. Like we see a lot of things, we hear a lot of things, we take in a lot of things, we let a lot of things influence our lives. But Paul is saying, I want you to be enlightened in the truth from above, the truth of God. Not just anything out there, not just any system out there or any teaching out there or any false way out there, but the ways of the Lord. As the old song used to say, I can see clearly now, right? The rain is gone. I can see clearly now. That's what Paul is praying for, that we would see clearly. Remember in Acts chapter 9, Paul is on his way to persecute Christians and he is blinded by Jesus on the road. And, and then later, Paul, the scripture says that these, like, like scales, after he was blinded, scales fell from Paul's eyes. And the scripture says, and he could see again. See, what we need are the scales that are covering the eyes of our heart to fall away. Not the scales of blindness of our physical eyes, but of our heart. The things that are blocking our view of God. Or the things that we don't go into, we just stay here. We don't go deeper, we just keep it surface. Because it's a little less threatening there. But if we'll go a little deeper with God, and we'll let him remove the scales off the eyes of our heart, so that we could truly see God, and honor God, and please God, and live for God, and be all in with God, we will see God at a different level. We'll see God in a different way. He says, enlightened. Spiritual awareness. That's what he's talking about. Having a spiritual awareness of the truth of God. And again, not just any truth out there. Not just any teaching out there. Because lots of people want to be enlightened. This idea of the enlightenment. We want to be enlightened to spiritual things. And there's a whole lot of evil out there. There are spiritual forces in heavenly realms that are working against God, wanting to take over you, wanting to control you. 
And so we have to be careful when we talk about being enlightened. We are talking about enlightened in the truths of God based on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God working in us. And there's a reason he wants us. So he says this word, in order. Want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened? Because, or here's why, in order, and he gives us three things. He says, hope, inheritance, and power. Look at him real quick, right here. He says, so that you, that you may fully, completely, like without any doubt, you would know, that you would know the hope to which you were called. That's awesome. That's Jesus. That's everything that Jesus brings to the table. That's what he offers you in salvation. That's what God wants to do in your life and what's to come. It's the victory that we have in Jesus. That is the only hope on this earth that is rock solid. Everything else is sinking sand. It's all going to perish. It's all going to fade away. But the rock of Jesus on the earth is your only hope. It's my only hope. Nothing else will get you anywhere. It won't get you anywhere. Might get you money, might get you power, might get you some fame. But in eternity, it will get you nowhere. The only thing that will get you anywhere out of this world is the hope that we have in Jesus. And Paul says, I want your eyes to be open so you know that hope. Deeply know that hope. And then that hope will impact your life so much that, that the things of the world won't matter so much. They won't get you down because you have a greater hope. And the second thing he says, and the riches of his glorious, of his glorious inheritance. You know what that's about? That's about the reward that we look forward to, that we're going to inherit the kingdom of God. We're, he's building a mansion with your name on it. If you love him and are honoring him and living your lives for him, he's got a room for you in heaven. And that's what we look forward to. This place is rubbish compared to heaven. I don't care the, the, the richest person on the planet. Their mansions are, are dumps compared to what we are looking forward to in heaven and all that God has for us, our glorious inheritance in him. It's insane. It's great. It's beautiful. And that's what Paul says. I hope your eyes will be open that you will know with, with certainty of what's to come for you in Jesus. You've got to remain in Jesus. And the third thing he says, and his incomparably great power for who? For believers, for those who are living for Jesus or followers of Jesus, disciples of Christ. He says, I have a power for you for here and now on this earth that will get you through this life. His powerful work that is in you and is working through you. That is some powerful truth by Paul. Verse 19, he says, that power is the same. Now get this, that power, Paul says. Look at what he says, you can read it. He says, that power, the power we're just talking about and the power he's about to let loose on us, this truth is incredible. But look what he says, that power, that Holy Spirit in you power, that power, that, that spirit that has been poured out by God onto the earth that Jesus said he would give a comforter, a counselor, another one that would come to live and dwell within us, that power, that spirit that Paul gives thanks for, that he can't stop thanking for in the people of Ephesus, 
that he keeps asking the Father that they would know more and more this Spirit that is working, God living in us, working in us, that Spirit, that power, the Spirit that gives wisdom and revelation that opens the eyes of our heart and understanding that Spirit revealing our hope, revealing our inheritance, revealing his power, that very same spirit power is the very same spirit power that raised Jesus from the dead and transferred him or transported him back into glory where he is now seated at the right hand in the heavenly realms or in heaven. That spirit power, Paul wants us to know that we have that very same spirit power that raised Jesus from the dead, which begs the question for me and hopefully for you, am I allowing the power, the, the flow of that spirit to really work in my life? Am I allowing it to happen? Not is it there. It's there. It's Niagara Falls falling down and powerfully crushing everything in its path. That's what God wants to move into my life. But sometimes we clog it up so much. We're so distracted. We let the world come in and it chokes out what God is wanting to do in our life. And our prayer, my prayer is this. My prayer is simple. God, open the eyes of my heart. God, open the eyes of our heart. That's what we pray. God, open the eyes of our heart. Help me to be more aware of what you're doing in me and through me, the spirit that is working all around me. Because that's what it means when we say, or when I say, we are living on a prayer. We are living on a prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we need you. And we're grateful, God, that you have given us more than we need. God, help us as humans to allow you to work, to allow your spirit to, to move in us and to, to do whatever it is he wants to do in us. And help us to see you, God. Help us to sense what you're up to and to, to work together, God, with you in us, around us, that we would impact the world, that we would bring honor and glory to you. Thank you, Father, for being patient with us. We need you, Father. Open the eyes of our heart, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Please have a great work or a great, a great week at work or play, whatever it is you'll be doing, and be safe. God is good.